Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Fear is always fueled by lack of knowledge. Julie Ziegler-Norman. On today's jam-packed show, we have the honor to interview Julie, the daughter of one of the most famous motivational speakers of all time, Zig Ziglar. Julie is an internationally sought-out speaker, author, and realtor with a focus on land investment. We cover so much with this amazing woman, her path to conquering adversity, how to evaluate land investments, how to truly understand your customers' needs, and how to live life on life's terms. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Hello, Julie. We welcome you to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Really excited to have Julie uh, on our show. We're going to jump into her amazing story and just lots, um, lots and lots of really great questions we have prepared for her. I just, I don't know where to begin. But before we go there um, with Julie, we just wanted to welcome everyone back to our show. Uh, Andressa, you're doing well? I'm doing excellent. And yourself? Awesome. Doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. I, well, two things I wanted to share. One thing, I, okay. I was feeling really overwhelmed and worried yesterday, which is uh, something I go to sometimes. So we all have our stuff, right? Things sure. that some people feel overwhelmed, some people feel wh- whatever they feel. But that's probably one of the negative emotions that I comes up for me. And so my husband came home and he was a little overwhelmed with some other things happening in our business. And we talked, we're like, you know, what we haven't done in a while is really write down some mantras for ourselves. And we've done that before. We just got to, you know, you get away from stuff. So we sat down together before we went to sleep and wrote down eight mantras. And we woke up, I typed them up because I can't even read his handwriting, but I woke <laughs> up, I typed them up and like, I read them like four times today. And, and where my mind starts to go to worry, I'm like, no, no, no. And then I say a, a mantra that kind of combats that. So anyway, wow. I just want to share that. I was feeling really, I love that. And worried yesterday, and I'm like, no, I'm going to stop this. This isn't working for me. So, right. and I think that that's like that internal conversation. Hey, little voice inside my head, I don't want to hear you anymore. Here's what I want. Here's what I stand by, yep. and this is where the path that I want to go. Yeah, it serve. Sometimes it's you know, it doesn't it doesn't serve you to achieve your goals and live the full life that we all want to live. Want to live, yeah. So I just wanted to share that quickly. And Love you know, that. other thing I want to just briefly share is the women listening. We just really, Andres and I want to thank you so much for your support. Our, our numbers and our listenership just keeps increasing, which is so awesome. Um, and so for the ladies listening, the real estate investor.com, uh, you know, our goal here, our mission here is to empower women in real estate to live a financially free and balanced life. And we have local meetups. We're doing hopefully future conferences. We're in the works to do. And um, we have a Facebook community that has like 400 women just sharing and, and getting support. And it's all women investors. So we're just really appreciative of the ladies listening. So we really want to thank you. Thank you so much for just being on this journey with us and helping each other and helping um, ourselves along the way. So I just wanted to mention that. Absolutely. And I also want to thank all the ladies around the world, 33 countries in counting so far. So thank you so much. Send me your address. I'm going to visit you in whatever you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I know, right? So um, without further ado, we really, again, thank you so much, Julie, for being on our our, uh, show. Uh, And, you know, as we like to share with all the guests, um, and you have such an amazing story uh, in, in your background and all those sort of things, but we always like to ask a little bit about not just your background, but more importantly, what compelled you to get involved in real estate, you know, I know you've been, you know, active agent, you're, you're an investor. You've also been such a inspiration to people around the world. Um, so what for you kind of compelled you to get involved in, in real estate? Thank you so much. Let, let me preface this by saying that what I'm going to tell you, my husband passed away about three and a half years ago, but he would absolutely support me in sharing our full story. We've always been very transparent Uh, Because you can't help people if you don't share your own experiences with them, good, bad, and indifferent. So the reason I got involved in real estate is because um, about 11 years into my marriage with my husband, I had to make a decision about accepting the fact that he was always going to use credit cards to a degree that I was uncomfortable with. 
and because he was older than me that I would probably get left with a lot of credit card debt. So I, the marriage counselor just said, Julie, you have a decision, something like over 80% of marriages fail because of financial differences and the way you handle money. And our whole entire marriage, I had tried to get him to let me buy land, buy, buy rental homes, uh, he just couldn't see it. And at one point we actually did own two homes and we rented out the second one. Uh, but he had been in property management on a big scale with thousands of units of apartments through the years. And he just didn't want to deal with those calls. He just didn't want to handle it. So I never could get him to do it until we bought a house that had some land next door that we could add to what we already had. And and he said, if, if we get that, can we not move again? And I said, yes. So that, that's my big investment piece of land. And it, the value in it has uh, gone up by over two thirds in that time. It's truly wow. the only really great investment that we make. Every time we bought and sold a house, we made a lot of money in equity. I have owned stocks. Um, all kinds of other things that I, I later sold and nothing has paid like the real estate. So I've always had a heart for it because of my father, which I'll go into in a minute. But the reason I became a broker is I'm an accidental speaker. I speak to a lot of entrepreneurial groups. I speak to a lot of pregnancy resource centers. I speak to hospice. Hospice is really important thing in my heart because of how they really help people. Um, I speak all over and how do you get a job job if you need more money when you're travel randomly throughout the year, just it's, you're not really hireable on a salary. And I was dad's uh, editor for 20 years and I worked at home. So I knew I really didn't want to be an editor anymore. And the only thing I could think of that gave me the freedom I needed was real estate and Thank goodness my eldest daughter, Didi Galindo, is a broker. And her firm does a full turnaround investment. I mean, it's just turnkey investment property. And we get those, we buy those homes that are between uh, 90 and 180,000 because in our area, Fort Worth is hopping and we've got um, all kinds of areas that are, are just coming back. They're, it's just beautiful how it's working, but it was the only thing I could do that would dovetail nicely with the speaking and training that I do. I do corporate training at Ziegler Inc. Uh, we have several different speaker classes and certification classes there. So I really got three things going on between the real estate, the speaking and the training. And then I have another, another business I just got involved in, but it's all because of all that credit card debt. My husband apologized. He died of lung cancer. And he said, I always thought I'd have time to take care of this. And he said, I'm sorry. Cause I mean, it was over a hundred thousand is what he'd put on my cards. And so I was motivated to pay off the debt. When we married, I was debt free and he was debt heavy. <laughs> and everybody, <laughs> everybody said to him that I was marrying for his money. And I said, y'all don't understand. I'm the one that really <laughs> I knew I didn't know any money. But um, as we know, that talk about worry, <laughs> Elizabeth, yeah. that's, uh, that can really put the stress on when you have a lot of financial burden. And as I said, I've never known anything uh, that got it off better than real estate. So my vision when I got my license was not just to sell real estate and help other people uh, get solid, because I do believe that is the best investment you can make is real estate. It, it was also for, for me to have access to the MLS to be able to find the deals uh, for me. Now, I knew I couldn't start buying the land until I got the debt paid off. And girls, I am so close to having that done. And I'm so grateful to, to real estate for making, making that possible. That's awesome. And I think that's such a common, you know, story among so many spouses um, 
where one person can see the opportunity and the other might not see it, might, you know, might have a, a risk tolerance a little bit lower than that. So, Julie, for those ladies that are listening to us, they see the opportunity, they, they know people that have done it. What are, where do they start in a conversation because if it is something that they you know it can create a lot of stress within a relationship mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what would you say will be a, a good start for them to talk to their spouses about it the fear is always uh, fueled by lack of knowledge so the very first thing they need to do is learn everything they can about the investment opportunities that they're looking at so that they can overcome their spouse's objections before they voice them. Because we all know our mates and we know what kind of things are gonna get them you know, off base. And it might be that we need to save up the down, we need to find a way to earn the down payment apart from the regular family budget. Um, we might need to sacrifice some things, some luxuries, pedicures, manicures. I mean, these things all add up. But if you're really serious about investing and you have a negative spouse, when you have done all you can do to make it happen without uh, upsetting their apple cart, it just goes so much more easily. And that's a, that's a big part is, is understanding well enough to explain what it is you want to do and why and show them the numbers. Because every, people have working numbers that they can show. And that it's just uh, to, to end up in the place I'm in, and it could have been so different if I'd been investing all of those 32 years we were married, could have been so different. I tried like crazy to hang on to our rent house. And I, I still don't understand why he didn't want it. But um, man, I wish I could move back to the house today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, you know, it's interesting you're saying that because I feel like we all have those stories of like, you know, I, I stayed to my husband, there's a property, you know, we both were like, well, we should buy and then you don't, you know, and then you look back and go, oh, we really should have. So what, what, what's been inspiring to you or motivational to you to keep like your eyes open and keep that, I mean, that hundred grand, that's, 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 you know, that's a, that's a big nut, you know, yeah. and you've kept your eyes on it. You've, you've did what you needed to do. What keep what kept you going? Like what moved you through that to, to be able to get to the other side of saying, oh, wow, now I can do more investing and more using my, using my money there? Right. Well, I, I just have been, my father taught me a work ethic that if uh, one job doesn't get it, then uh, two, two's better. <laughs> so I'm, I'm good. Plus I'm, you know, I'm 63 now and my children are grown. I do have wonderful grandkids, but uh, the, the pull on my personal time is not as, as stiff as it used to be. Plus, I'm doing something I love. And I have been able to uh, persevere and go towards it because I, I just know that's the right thing to do. And it's, it's really what's in front of me to do. And I, I, I am, I'll just say, a Christian and I had a pastor teach me, and, and this really dovetails in with what my father taught me about seeing opportunity. Uh, my pastor said, Julie, you don't have to worry about what your purpose or direction in life is. You just have to be willing, available, and obedient to do what's put right in front of you. Mm -hmm. He said, don't you think your God's big enough to put what he has for you in front of you? Um, and, and then once you're involved and it feels like you're home, which, which investing in real estate feels like to me. Once you're involved, it just, it blossoms for you because you're, you've seen it. Well, my father painted a vision for me, for me when I was a little child. Daddy was a goal setter and a dreamer, and we would go look at property, and we'd stand there, and he'd say, all right, girls, here's where we're going to put the house, and Y'all can have your horse barn over here, and I think this will make a great pasture. And we can put the fence, the jumps out here. I mean, the pool's going to go here, and I, I don't see land when I stand on land. I see what it's going to become. 
Wow. And because of that, my favorite people to work with are land investors, people who flip land. And I, I love to help them find these rough pieces of land. And, you know, within three or four months, they go in and it becomes a mecca, a beautiful piece of property with a pond and stocked with fish. And um, it's just, to me, it's heaven to be out there looking at that land and, and seeing what's there and being with wildlife. And I much prefer it to uh, showing homes. Totally. I can totally see that. Believe me, I live in Philadelphia where space is very strict. So we, we, we look at the houses and say, can we feed three bedrooms here? If we stand off <laughs> two, right? Yeah. So when, when you talk about the land, and it, it's a it's a foreign language for me to say, okay, is this worth? How much is this worth? So when you're looking at a piece of land, how do we evaluate? You you're saying that your your favorite clients are those folks that flip the land. Yeah. How do you evaluate and create that image that you just created? And I can totally see every single piece of the things that you're saying, but how can, how can you break it down for the ladies that live in the middle of PA or in other countries that they see a lot of land? So yes. how can they just start evaluating it? Well, of course, you know how much it's worth because you're able to look at the comparables. And what we've discovered here is when, when you improve a piece of land, you add a, a septic system because we're talking rural here mm -hmm. where there's not any water. You have to put in the well. You have to put in the septic system. You have to bring the electric. But, you know, you can do that fairly inexpensively. And once you've done that, you put in an RV pad and people can see themselves living on that land while they build their dream home. And it's a real simple formula but it makes it possible for people who don't have maybe all the money yet. But they, they want to save money. So they want to get rid of their expensive house. They're willing to go live in an, in an RV on their land while they get it ready. But it's, it's that that's kind of the, the vision for that, but they just need to go drive around and look at the properties that are available and know who their clients are. For instance, I, I actually do a lot of focusing on horse people because I'm a horseback rider. We're near the LBJ National Grasslands. I know that if I can find a beautiful piece of property, uh, generally three to uh, 20 acres, that's gonna be my best horse customer for pleasure riders. And if I find a piece that's not rocky, that uh, doesn't have steep cliffs in it or mm -hmm. erosion that's horse safe, then I know I've, I can find a buyer for that land. We have great builders out here. Knowing, knowing good builders you can refer is, is wonderful, but that's for the individuals and also market on websites that promote horse properties because mm -hmm. people from all over the world are looking at those websites. And, and where I am, we have a, our horse land out here at the grasslands is absolutely the most wonderful uh, land you can imagine. The sand, you don't even have to shoe your horses. So wow. it's great. Oh, that's wonderful. You're, you're painting this vision of somewhere I just really want to go to, like, exactly. right now. We're Can we start the, building? <laughs> yeah, the weather we've been dealing with with the Northeast has been dismal lately. So you're <laughs> painting this vision. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm curious, Julie, just to circle back, you know, you, you mentioned when we were um, preparing for today's interview, you, you said something in your notes. You said, I know, you said, my favorite real estate clients flip land. I know what he likes. I know where he likes it and how much he's willing to part with to get it. Yes. I thought that was very astute um, mm -hmm. because it was very, very clear. And we all have customers, you know, whether we're, uh, we're finding people to invest with us, we're looking for people to buy the homes that we're renovating, people to rent, rent the apartments we're returning, whatever. We all, we all have tons of different types of customers. And I love how succinct you were. And I think so many people aren't as succinct. They don't know 
who their customer is. So I would imagine having your father as Zig Ziglar, that was probably, I mean, I love, he was the first motivational speaker I remember listening to on my tapes and he was just awesome. You know, I just really appreciate him and appreciate his, his great insight. And I remember him talking about, because I got into sales right out of grad school about knowing your customer. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what are the biggest mistakes people make when they're really trying to develop that relationship with their customers? And how can they avoid that? How can they really move beyond that to really understand them, like really understand them? Uh, The the very first thing they need to know is it isn't about them. Uh, the, the main mistake people make in sales is they talk too much and they don't ask enough questions. They just don't listen to their client. And the only thing that's really important uh, when you're first getting to know someone and building that relationship is that you find out what their need is. Because if you don't know the need, you can't fill it. And so many times people get nervous about... Um, whether they're going to be professional enough or whether the person will trust them. But I can guarantee you the thing that builds relationship the most is a true concern for the other person's needs. And we are in a service industry. When we have clients, we're in a service industry and it is, it is about them. I always want the very best financial deal for my client and I give, I do, a lot of people say never give up any, any commission, but I can tell you that sometimes it's the smartest thing in the world because that's where your referrals come from is when someone knows that you care about them and their needs first. Because my father's favorite quote, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. It is true. When, when you help them get what they want, they will refer people to you and they will use you over and over again. And it's so much easier to get referrals than it is to do marketing and attract new business. That is so true. And One thing that I also wanted to mention that on your website, you talk about the right kind of person. So let me read one quote over here. You said, um, to succeed, you must be the kind of person people want to do business with. In far too many cases, individuals focus all their attention on marketing the product or service they provide when their time will be far better spent learning how to be the right kind of person. So can you break it down? How can we become that right kind of person? The right kind of person is the person who focuses on helping other people. But it starts with focusing on your degree of integrity, what you are um, will. I mean, if you make a mistake, own it and own it immediately and as quickly as you can and let people know that, you know, I I messed up and here's what I'm going to do to uh, turn this around. And I'm so sorry. And the quicker you own it, uh, the better, better it goes. The other thing is, is communication, especially in real estate, is everything. I know we're all really busy and we all have a lot of calls, but you can at least text back and say, uh, own a call, be with you ASAP. Uh, Just let them know that you have gotten their message and you're acknowledging them. But the right kind of person is, is a person who has the integrity to do the next right thing. And that, that, it's part of owning mistakes. That's part of being proactive, uh, making calls that will benefit your client. Um, just having the confidence to give them confidence in the decisions they're making. And of course, that confidence builds. The longer we're in real estate and investment properties, uh, the better we know it the more sure we are of everything we're doing. And that transfers very well to our clients. The right kind of person, integrity is the bottom line, because if if they lose uh, trust in you once, you're probably not going to get it back because there are a lot of us in this business. And people want to work with people they can trust. Trust is, is foundational to all the referrals and everything else. So trust. 
got to be trustworthy and own it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. It, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's funny when you start talking about what really makes a difference in real estate and being successful in the business. And people don't, people always, people tend to, a lot of the women we've been interviewing go to the mindset and these sort of, you know, pieces. And it's so critical because you can have the, the, you know, the most financial awareness and have the most money or have whatever you need to be successful in this business. But if you don't have integrity, right, uh, no one's going to want to work with you. I don't care how seasoned you are, you know. So it's so interesting when people often say, what, you know, what do you need to have to be successful? It's not what you need to have. It's who you need to be to be successful, you know. So it's funny. We I think I think we we collectively as investors and people in this business tend to focus on the wrong things. You know, they, people don't focus on the right things enough. And what you're saying are the right things. Um, you know, in terms of you know, in terms of your your own path, um, I'm curious to understand a little bit or just talk a little bit about your um, you know advice advice for women because you know the show is really about helping them helping women uh, grow their net worth, you know, and, and not anything against men. We love men. Men are amazing, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've always been very clear with that, that that's, this is not about bashing men or anything like that. That's no. not our intent at all. But we just wanted to create space for women. That, that was as simple as that and create a community so women can achieve their goals for their families and obviously for their, you know, husbands and men in their life. <laughs> so, so in terms of that, in terms of supporting women, um, I know you have um, – you are the founder of Ziegler Women. You know, you're, yeah. you do, I'm sure, a lot in this space. So I'm curious to, to, you know, to hear from you a little bit about what do you think from the women you've, you've spoken to and worked with, especially when it comes to investing, what do you think holds them back? And how do they move through what holds them back? I think the biggest thing that holds them back is, is fear of them making the wrong investment and not knowing enough to make an investment. And that brings me to what I was talking about earlier. Some people spend so much time getting ready to do something. <laughs> they getting ready to get ready. <laughs> yeah, they're getting ready to get ready. And <laughs> at Ziegler, we do a lot of training. And if we see somebody who keeps signing up for all these different things and never doing anything, we cut them off. We say, wait a minute, this this is not helping you. you. You have to get into action. You know, getting ready, it's good to be prepared, but you can be, oh, you can use that as a way to procrastinate. And I think a lot of women just keep thinking they just need to know a little bit more. But truly what we really need is we need mentors and other women who we respect and who we look up to. And that's why this podcast is important because you gals are the kind of people that they can tune into and get the information they need and the direction to be able to make decisions with confidence. I, I believe that a lot of women too are uh, very remiss to ever do anything that their husband's not in total agreement with. And I mean, there, there's some wisdom in that, but there also needs to be a certain amount of uh, wisdom in the fact you don't know. I mean, I, my father was a big believer in life insurance term life insurance and I have tons of it and my husband was uninsurable for, for physical you know health problems he was uninsurable so um, I didn't have the benefit of that and if there are any women listening whose husbands don't carry life insurance that's the cheapest thing you can buy for yourself to protect you in case anything happens to him so that you'll have that cushion. You don't have to wait for them to buy it. You go ahead and get it. If, um, you know, if they are insurable, you'll be able to do that. So that, that's just kind of foundational for our security. But when it comes to the investment, it's a matter of saving that money so they don't feel, they don't feel the pressure of it. It's a matter of maybe working extra job, picking up extra things. So many women are talented and gifted in a million ways. Um, they can bake cakes. I mean, it's incredible what you can do from home with the things you are naturally good at to turn money to sock away. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a business, as a woman, you can get a small business loan. 
I do everything under a corporation my husband and I started back in the 80s called Norman Services Corp. Everything I do, all my entrepreneurial stuff, all my real estate, uh, all of my training, because I'm, I'm independent of Ziegler. I went on my own back in uh, 2011 after dad and I quit speaking together because I wanted to work with women. And our company was not just, we weren't focused that strongly in that direction. And so I knew I'd be able to do more outside of our corporate Ziegler Inc. corporate structure. And it's a matter of deciding that you are going to be responsible for the things that matter to you in your life. And that security, financial security is really, women need that, I think, a lot more than men. We just, it, it makes us uh, content. It makes us at peace. It makes us able to think more clearly. Uh, talking about taking your thoughts captive when you get worried and, hmm. and, doing positive affirmations to change that thinking. It really is key to how much you can do. And dad says that's important to seeing an opportunity when it comes up. Because when you say, um, I am a smart, capable, able woman who loves to invest in profitable, successful real estate every day, then when the opportunity comes up and you see that piece, you're going to be much more apt to recognize it than if you've just been noncommittal about the direction you're going in. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. I'm like, speak slower. I'm writing that down. No, I, <laughs> I love that because I feel like, Julie, what happens so much is that what you're saying earlier is that, you know, and this, I can speak personally too, because I, I know in my own life that, you know, again, in general, women you want to make a decision with confidence. You don't want to make a mistake. So especially if you're moving to something new, you're, you're a little wary of it. And to move through that, what you just said is to have that vision of yourself, just back to what you said in terms of the land, like you're literally envisioning yourself as that successful investor already. Or if you want to get into more units, it's not just for new investors, it's for women that have been doing this. I know for me, stuff that I've done, okay, I got that. But whenever I'm thinking of something new, I, I, that's where I got to put the visualization, you know, or if it's scaling our business, right? We do this really well, but we're looking to do this a little bit more and scale it in a really effective way. That's where, you know, we are in our own business. So I got to see that versus seeing the problems or seeing the, this isn't working or whatever it might be. Clarity and focus are key to uh, confidence in, in moving forward. Because if you are not sure about what you love and, and what you enjoy doing the most, yep. uh, you're, you don't really know which direction to go. But I, I'm here to tell you that until you step out and start doing things, you're not going to know what really makes your heart sing. And the, ex the experience of doing it will teach you. And believe me, you don't have to stay in anything you start. That's, that's a, Thing women forget just because you start it doesn't mean you have to stay with it forever you can uh, we need to tweak everything we're doing as we go along because we're going to learn more and more a what we're good at b what we love and see what we don't like a lot of times knowing what you want has more to do with knowing what you don't want like I never want to work in an office I just don't and uh, I, I do everything I can in my power to keep that from happening because nobody can pay me as much as I can pay me when that, I work for me. That That's so true. couldn't be more true. I'm reading a book. I, I don't know which ones I got that quote from, but it was talking about that not making a decision is the cause of the suffering. So, make a decision whatever decision that is there's no right or wrong but make that decision and move forward and a lot of the ladies that did make a decision but either the contractor you know didn't do a great job and stole their money the economy sunk something happened and they they have that baggage with them right now that is holding them back they have the knowledge, they can see the opportunity, but they cannot get ready of that baggage, that ex bad experience that they have. Uh, what would you recommend to them? <laughs> That's Please. a, yeah, that, that 
<laughs> I would I would recommend it. I, I would tell them that failure is an event, not a person. That it has nothing to do uh, with with them. Now they may have had the great misfortune of being involved with the the wrong people, but that just makes him more diligent when they go to uh, do the next deal. And if they'll stay involved and go to investor meetings in their local area, they will find out who the good contractors are, who, who the great foundation people are. They will come to know the people they can trust because they'll talk to the other people who are investing in using these folks. And that's what I was talking about, the reputation. You know, once you lose the trust, you're not going to get the business. And uh, though we may not go online and say this person's horrible, when we are face to face with each other at investor meetings, the local meetings, we will, we will come to know who's dependable. Just like I know the mortgage brokers that are going to get me my information as fast as possible. I know the ones who are going to try 10 times harder to get my first time home buyer alone. I know who to refer people to, and it's because I had mentors and I had people who'd gone before me. So this is not, investing is not something you want to do on your own and just read about it on the internet. You need the uh, relationships with other people who are investing. And believe me, it's everybody, the right attitude is to be excited for anybody you know who makes a great deal. And you may feel like you're in competition like for instance, I had the only duplex for sale in about a three mile radius of a university, mm. not far from here. You talk about competition, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's all it, that just means you need to learn how to make the best, most attractive offer and what all goes into that. It's, it's, a, it's something you can learn from talking to other people. You say, well, I made this offer, what do you, and, and I didn't get that deal. What do you think I could have done differently? And they will tell you, well, you should have offered, um, you know, day, days free, you know, for them to not have to be out of buy, or uh, there are a million different ways to make that offer sweeter that is not involved with the actual cash. So it's, part, it's just part of being a part of the community of investors. And that's yeah. what this podcast is. Yeah, I, lo I love what you're saying too, Julie, about asking the question, not just to yourself, but maybe for the people that you work with, what could I have done differently? Or what could we done differently? And, and I think that's such an important question to ask. And not only do people, most people just move on to the next project and they don't ask that question, but they don't ask for feedback, but with the people that they work with, you know, so they can make those tweaks. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that's, you know, what they call it, you know, in corporate life, because I did a lot of corporate consulting, they do it, you know, it's called 360 feedback, right? Where you get your, you know, your colleagues to, to you know, fill out a survey about, you know, how you're doing. Well, yeah. you're running a small business, you're not going to necessarily do that, but you kind of have to do your own 360 feedback. You have to ask people, you know, what's working, what's not, you know, and, and how can I, how could we do this better next time? You know, and I think uh, that's so, so helpful and so important, but most people don't do. Yeah. Yeah. You got You got to include other people and you, this is not a lone wolf business. It's just not. You know, the, um, the other thing, Julie, too, that we like to talk through and, and I, I think you have such insight between your four kids, your 13 grandkids and your four great grandchildren. That's, that's a, you know, that's a lot of, you know, in terms of in my head, I'm like, I have two kids and I'm, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. But so for you, we get into, you know, we get into the topic of balance. We get into the topic of women really wanting this, more of this financial stability and independence while being in the mix of, of kids and grandkids and family and all the things that women are amazing at, right? In terms of relationships and just, just that, that's just the way it is and who we are. So I'm curious to get your insight, especially with the, you know, the, the largeness of your family and, and who you are to the world. You know, how do women not reconcile, but how do they, you know, we always ask for like the secrets, but you know, I don't think there are secrets, but there are things that women do that help them create balance that just, yeah. you know, that's just the, the nature of it. So what have you seen or what have you done yourself that works for you in terms of keeping a balance of, you know, working on your financial goals while keeping true to your, you know, who you are 
and keeping a balance to it all? I take advantage of every opportunity I have to be, uh, to, to, you know, make that touch with my family, whether it's a, a text, an email, a phone call. Uh, it was different when the kids were home. I went back to college when I was 30 and I mm. still had young kids at home. And it, it just seemed to evolve where my husband would kind of take care of stuff at night so that I could get down to studying. Uh, and then I went to class while the kids were in school. And uh, for years, I only did things that I could do where I could drop them off to school and pick them up. I used to, this is one of those weird little things. I used to manage a thoroughbred racehorse stable and I galloped the horses. I did everything. And I loved it because I fed them before my kids went to school. They were getting ready. I'd go take them to school, go do the track until I had to pick up the youngest, go home, fix dinner. After dinner, go back, feed the horses. And it never interfered. I mean, I was within 15 minutes of where the horses were. Uh, I made sure that anything I did just fit with what my kids needed for me. And then when the last one graduated and went off to college, that's by then I was already dad's editor. I'd been working at home doing that. But my husband, I had a rough patch and we were separated for a year and he was not happy <laughs> that I had moved into our writ house. We just needed to work on some long-term issues. We continued to go to church together. We were in counseling. So the goal was to make it work, but we needed the space. And while I was out there uh, in that other house, I had to <clears throat> take a job waitressing at night because I didn't make enough money to pay the taxes on that house as well. Wow. But I loved a waitress. I had done it off and on as a young woman, as a teenager. Um, and I was home alone because my youngest daughter had gone off to college and so what was I losing by having to work two jobs to get that done? It was what needed to be done at the moment, and it actually saved our marriage. 20 great years after that awesome kind of marriage everybody else wants to have. You know, just wonderful. Well worth the work and the effort and accepting the debt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell people he's worth every penny I'm paying off right now. This is the best 20 years ever. And I encourage people to stay, stay in it. It's so much easier to make the marriage you have work than it is to, to do the bonding and the, you know, second marriage. I had a very successful second marriage and my kids are my kids. He came with three, I came with one. You can do a beautiful family that way. And, and we certainly did. So I know it's quite possible, but the, I do believe that the most essential thing with the balance is understanding that you're going to have to live life on life's terms. Things are going to come up like your mom's going to get sick suddenly and pass away. You know, somehow or other, there is always time to go to that loved one's funeral, to be at their bedside. You know, even if it's weeks, there, there is a way that we make it work and you can trust that you're going to be able to get through any circumstance. When, when I realized that I had become a speaker without me realizing I was becoming one and I was and daddy and I quit, when he had to quit speaking, I thought that would be it. But I kept being invited to go speak. And then I, I was kind of mad at God. I said, you know, I never, I didn't want this. I couldn't wait to quit being an editor so I could spend more time with my family. And what I learned was that he knows my schedule and I can trust that I'm going to have the time I need. And I found that when my little four-year-old granddaughter was dying of brain cancer, I found that when my husband was dying of lung cancer, um, my schedule, I could, t I knew when my husband was going to die because I'd learned so much when my granddaughter Phoebe was sick about my schedule. I was never on a speaking engagement, not one time. <laughs> that she was really, really sick. She was always better than she'd been in quite a while when I would have to leave town. Hmm. And then I got to be with her for days, at, you know, before she died. But I spent, spent two years in a hospital bed with that baby every chance I got. And it was a lot. And, and, and that time was something 
that God had assured me I would have that I needed. And I was able to be there for my daughter. A lot of it's just trust that uh, life is life on life's terms and that uh, you're not alone in that. People will come up, support you. I love that idea of being able to consider life's terms versus we always say, do things on your own terms. Right. And, 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 you know, we're such rugged individualists in this society. You know, we're going we're gonna to make what we want to make happen, which is awesome and inspirational. But you have to, as a person in this world, like, you know, and I'm also spiritual as well as, as, well as Andressa, you know, we, we have to be, we're, we're dancing in a sense, like on our own terms with life's terms. And I, I love what you're saying because it really gets you thinking about, you can have amazing plan and amazing goals and then boom like life just gives you something that you were not expecting we all have had that happen so it's not like you know people disagree with that so we all have these things happen so being like you know i don't know what the word is but something where you're really able to kind of be in a dance with life's terms versus avoiding them or saying oh well you know this is just my my terms i'm not gonna i'm just gonna have my head down and make it happen well Sometimes it doesn't work that way, you know, so. And joy is possible in the midst of horrible things because anytime you look at your life, I mean, you could say, is anything awful happening to me right this second? And usually the answer is no. But when hard things are happening, they are for a season and they will come to pass and there will be resolution. And it is true. We get to choose our attitude towards those things. Yeah. And for instance, when you understand that, you know, in the end, we, we all do die and it's a natural process. Well, yeah, I understand it is. It is not the same thing to lose a four-year-old as it is to lose a 90-year-old. It's just not the order of things. So it is harder emotionally, but uh, when you understand that you know, there's a bigger power at work here who understands what lies ahead of that individual who got to go on. Um, and, and there is scripture that I hang on to that says, you understand not while they died young, but he knew what lay ahead. So uh, because of faith, I can, I can accept, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of um, hard things and not, there's so many things we're never going to know the why of ever. And it's just like, you cannot do the what ifs to yourself. What if I'd done this? What if I said that? What if I left five minutes earlier? You cannot do what ifs or you'll destroy yourself. And that comes back to what you started with, Elizabeth, about taking your thoughts captive, because we do actually have control over what we focus on. What we focus on is what's going to determine how our days go. It is. And my father always said, if you have a problem with depression, if you're unhappy and things aren't going well, you need to go volunteer and help somebody else because only by getting out of yourself will you actually uh, turn around. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. Yeah, and you're able to really get out of your own head, you know, as they say, get out of your own head. You're absolutely right. Um, Julie, I, I so appreciate what you're saying and, and uh, I could, you know, we can keep, uh, I could probably ask you a million other questions. Same with you, Andressa. So we definitely have to have you back on the show. Um, you know, before, before we transition to um, Andressa's, not, not Andressa's, but our fabulous three <laughs> questions. Andressa's Mine. fabulous three. Mine. Your, uh, yeah. Julie, you, you've been such a breath of inspiration for, for myself, for Andressa, all the ladies listening. We, we so appreciate you. Where can the ladies listening, uh, if they wanted to, um, you know, just stay in touch with you, see what you're up to, all the wonderful speaking you're up to and the things you're up to? They can get in touch with me by, uh, actually, if they want to contact me directly, my email is lowercase julie at p is in Paul, p is in Paul, r is in real estate, t is in texasx.com, pprtx.com. If they want just some encouragement and inspiration, they can go to my Facebook page, Ziegler Women, and... They can also find me at Ziggler.com under speakers. Awesome. And reach that way. Great. 
So you guys don't need to rush to get a pen and paper. All of this great information is going to be on our show notes. So you can reach Julie as fast as you can. Julie, now we're, uh, we are transitioning to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready? Yes. Great. So the first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Well, for me, it's the Holy Bible. And, and it still transforms me every time I read it. And it, I love it that it speaks to different uh, parts of me every time. Great. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I get up every morning. I have my quiet time. I have my coffee. And then I organize my priorities. And I stick with them as best I can. Matter of fact, usually I actually do that the night before. I write down everything that, that's on my plate. And of course, through the day, things interfere with all of it. But by the end of the day, I've gotten the top three most important things done. Awesome. And the last one is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? There's a lady named Mary Pike. She is the strongest leader I have met in a very, very long time. And... Mm -hmm. She, her confidence totally washes over onto other people like nobody's I've ever seen. And when she tells you you can do something, by golly, you believe it. <laughs> and you do it. <laughs> wow. Oh, and Mary and I are involved in a, a network marketing company that is changing my life. I finally, I don't know about you guys, but I'm an emotional leader and I ate a bunch after I lost my dad and my granddaughter and my husband over 28 month period. And, and I comforted myself way too much. And so I am finally getting my health and my exercise and my wellness back. And Mary's uh, inspired me in a way that I haven't been inspired uh, directly in a long time. Mm, wonderful. So thank you again so much, Julie, for your time and your just great, great insight and inspiration and opening your, um, not only advice, but your experiences and just, you know, your heartfelt, you know, experiences with us and the ladies listening. So we really, again, thank you so much for, for your time and authenticity. Well, you're so welcome and women can, and that's my last word, women can, <laughs> if we will. Yes. Amen Thanks, to that. <laughs> thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.